welcome in to the Devi Devotional Podcast, a show devoted to all things Devi and C2C. Hosted by John Arrington and Aaron Wilcox. This dynamic duo brings you actionable strategies with player-driven analysis for your Devi and C2C leagues. Let's dive in. Let's dive into what we've learned this year. Welcome into the Debbie Devotional. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Aaron Wilcox at Aaron Wilcox86 on Twitter or X. And tonight we're going to be talking about what did we learn this year? Uh, Whether it's from the previous rookie drafts, whether it's from a full season of college football, uh, obviously a lot of off-season research. Now NFL uh, seasons are, are wrapping up. You know, did we learn anything from that? It's going to be a lot more talk than normal. Um, just you know, banter back and forth, uh, just, just trying to figure it out, trying to figure it all out, rather than just talking about the players, just talking about is Marvin Harrison Jr. good, like all that kind of stuff. I think we figured that one out already. But <laughs> today we're going to do maybe a little more strategy talk, if you will. But first, of course, we always have to find out how Aaron is doing. What's up, buddy? Hey, doing well, doing well. Excited to get back on the podcast with you and discuss, like you said, strategy, whether it's you know more dynasty, Devi, C2C, just all, all that um, strategy talk, a little bit of player talk, some news potentially here, just because it has been a little while since we put out some uh, recent news and podcast. Yeah, and generally we don't do too much news. We try to just stick to you know player values and and who we like, who we don't like, all that kind of stuff. But I think it is kind of important, like you said, it's been a, a bit, and a lot has happened since the last time that we did a pod. So why don't we talk about some players that are in the transfer portal, and then we can even get into some players that were declared for the NFL draft, um, and then we'll get into what we've actually learned. But what we're learning now is that there's some big names in the transfer portal and uh, it, it's uh, it's already becoming even probably more so uh, of, of a factor than people actually thought it was going to be. I mean, we're seeing some big five-star QBs in, in the transfer portal. We're seeing five-star wide receivers entering the transfer portal t- today. Um, it's really becoming uh, a, a madhouse. <laughs> like, I don't even know what else to call it, uh, but it, it's becoming crazy. Uh, we're starting to see some some big names, like I said, and and some of them have already committed to other schools, like a uh, you know like a player like uh, what would be a good one, Aiden Childs. I mean, that's not the biggest name, of course, but he's already committed to Michigan State. There, uh, Dante Moore. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's one hundred percent official, but he is you know, he is at least crystal balled to Oregon, uh, which is a huge one, uh, especially when you think about the implications of what all is going to go down with, uh, you know, with that. And then there were some other talks about other players possibly transferring over there. And then today we see Malachi Nelson from USC has entered the transfer portal as well. We have no idea where he's going to end up, but I mean, just right there, we have three pretty big name QBs that have all entered the portal, whether they have landing spots or not just yet. Uh, Did you expect to see this kind of uh, activity or is this kind of a shock to you? No, I, I honestly did not. And just because some of the guys, it's not like they were in terrible situations um, necessarily, like Malachi Nelson next up at, at USC, you would think. But I guess in this 
modern day and age with the transfer portal ability, like if they're not guaranteed, if they're saying, well, it's going to be a competition and and we might bring in a guy or we're going to, you know, they hear news that they're shopping around for other quarterbacks to come in who have more experience. I, I suppose that can be intimidating for people who aren't guaranteed the job or haven't given been given those insurances. So I would say I am a little bit surprised, but at the end of the day, I mean, the transfer portal, we knew that this opened up so many a can of worms, so many opportunities for these kids to get out of the schools. So I am very interested. And, and hopefully for some of these kids, it does better their situation. If they're potentially going to be, you know, behind, uh, let's say Malachi Nelson behind a, uh, Will Howard, who has been rumored to transfer from Kansas State to USC, well, that would suck for Malachi Nelson. Like he just wants to to play and show what skills he has. So, yes, a little bit surprised by this. But were there any specific ones that really, really got your attention there, John? Um, I mean, Malachi obviously surprising, just because you everyone just kind of assumed that he was going to be the next man up. Caleb Williams is going to go to the NFL. Here's Malachi. Uh, now, there was talks. He, he was really bad in the spring game this past year. Uh, there was talks that he wasn't quite ready, you know, back then. And we really didn't see too much of him, if any of, of him, uh, in, in the actual season this year. But, you know, maybe maybe it was a sign of things to come when he wasn't quite ready, when he was still raw and, and, and all that during the spring game, that he just wasn't going to be the, the, the heir apparent uh, for USC. And then now, of course, they're bringing in, you know, certain players and, and, uh, you know, big things are happening there. Um, so it is surprising, but I think what's more surprising to me and not that two, four, seven or on three or, or any of that is really the end all be all, but two, four, seven has actually dropped Malachi Nelson down to the fifth QB in the transfer portal. So, you know, it seems like they're, I mean, now they're star rating system like he's not that far off from the other so it's not like it's some huge difference or whatever i don't even know how they really determine all that especially when these players truly haven't played but you know it seems like they're at least going hey you know so this is a little scary because this guy it was in a great situation although i've made the argument that i don't think usc can actually develop talent and all that kind of stuff so maybe he realized that and at least QB talent. I shouldn't say other talent. Like they, they seem to be pretty good at other positions, but for QBs, I don't know that they're actually out there making Caleb Williams a better QB. They're just putting him in a good position to actually score points and do all that, but that's not actually making him better. So if Malachi is a little raw, they might not be the right spot for him to actually be in the right fit for him to be in. And so maybe he's smart enough to go, Hey, I need to go to a team that can actually develop me as a quarterback. And that's why he's in the transfer portal. So I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I don't want to say, Oh, he's terrible. Um, just because of the transfer, but I mean, it definitely surprised the hell out of me. I will say that. Yeah, no, I thought you brought up a really good point and, and some context to why a kid might go into the transfer portal there. Um, I, I think it's an exciting opportunity. We just saw a huge name hit the portal. Evan, um, Stewart. So, I mean, that Texas A&M wide receiver, whom, I mean, a lot of people think is the wide receiver one overall in Devi. I don't know where he's going to end up. I mean, it'd be really interesting if he ended up at like an Ohio state or, I mean, I suppose Alabama is going to be really trying to recruit him hard. And I guess who knows who else, like, I, I really doubt he would go to like a Michigan, you know, you think of some of those top teams, it's like, eh, he probably wants to go to somewhere that can, that 
feature him better. And there's just so much turmoil at Texas A&M that I think Wigman's going to be maybe next up uh, transferring out of there. Who knows? But yeah, it is a exciting opportunity for some of these kids to get that next chance. Like Trevor Etienne running back at Florida as well. I mean, no longer going to be at Florida. He might transfer to Georgia. That was at least a rumor out there that there was interest there. That would be very exciting for his prospects too. Yeah, that's the thing. There's some big, big names. I mean, just just sticking to the QBs, you know, we touched on a couple of them. And the reason why I mentioned Aiden Childs first is because, once again, he's first on 247 um, as far as their transfer recruit score and everything. So it's kind of wild because he was definitely not the first <laughs> the first overall uh, recruit or anything going into the season. And now after 35 passing attempts, he's apparently skyrocketed up to the top <laughs> and uh, – you know, maybe it's just because he, he kind of he's going to his coach and, and all that. Like, maybe that's why I don't, I don't I don't know. Maybe that's built into it. But just sticking to the QBs for a minute. We have Aiden Childs, Dante Moore, Cameron Ward, Malik Murphy, Malachi Nelson, Will Howard, Riley Leonard, Brock Vandegrift, Daquan Finn and Dylan Gabriel. I mean, that's just a huge list right there. Um, and those are all, and those are all pretty big names, especially if we're talking about fantasy purposes. But even for Debbie purposes, there's quite a few names there that we should care about. Um, and, you know, the the interesting one was that Dante Moore, I had said earlier that Dante Moore was going to Oregon, or at least Crystal Baltimore, Oregon. Um, but we also have Dylan Gabriel going to Oregon. And so now the question is what the hell's going on? Because another five-star prospect transferring without truly playing. Well, I, I guess Dante Moore played a little bit more. Um, and, and honestly, he didn't even play that well. Uh, so, you know, that's probably why he's getting out. He, he wanted to leave UCLA, but now it looks like he's going to be sitting behind Dylan Gabriel. Cause I don't think Dylan Gabriel went over to Oregon to, you know, to be on the bench. He probably doesn't even have any more eligibility after this season. So he, ha he has to play and Oregon doesn't probably didn't bring in Dante Moore uh, to like lose games. And so I truly feel like they're going to play Dylan Gabriel over Dante Moore. And maybe once again, these players know more and, and they know what they need and all that kind of stuff. I'm not telling them what to do by any means. Um, maybe he knew that he needed to sit behind somebody. And honestly, Dylan Gabriel would not be a ter terrible QB to sit behind for a year. Yeah, right. Because you know that Gabriel won't stay there more than one year just because he can't at, at his age. Like he's, what, 27, 28? Or not, maybe not that extreme, but I mean, he's, he's up there. And yeah, I don't really know what's going on there for Dante Moore, but maybe they're playing a game of chicken too, where like they're both going to commit and then one of them maybe has to break it off or consider breaking that off. And worst case scenario, he sits there for a year and Dante Moore has at least two more years um, after that. Probably, I don't know, at least two, if not three. So anyways, it, it would, it would be an interesting way to do things to not transfer somewhere where you could get playing time right away. But that's the current landscape in college football. Like if you want to go to an attractive program that can, you know, display your talents and potentially go to the playoffs and this and that, you don't have that many options. Absolutely. And so we, you know, you talked about uh, Trevor Etienne. I think that's he, he technically is not committed to anyone, but I heard that he had had committed to, or at least maybe it was just a rumor. But like I thought he had actually committed to Georgia, but it's not showing here on the site. So I guess we'll just say that he's rumored to Georgia as of right now. Um, 
you know, we'll see if that actually happens or not. And then Raheem Sanders going to South Carolina. Everyone seems to hate that. Um, I now maybe it's a lateral move and maybe that's why people hate it. Cause they want to, if you're going to transfer, why not transfer to a better situation? Um, but I mean, I, I, I would hope that South Carolina is at least a little bit better than, than Arkansas. Arkansas was, wasn't exactly some world beater or anything this past season, but I guess neither was South Carolina. Um, do you have any insight into that or, or had, you know, any feelings with the transfer? Uh, like I said, uh, everything I've heard from different podcasts, articles, whatever, seems like everyone just basically hates it. Yeah. I, I really don't care that much just because, you know, kids are jumping ship from Arkansas, and and at least there's there's likely a bit more stability going on there. Um, but man, I just I just don't know if Rocket is quite what he used to be at this point. But I, I think that if you believe that you know that he can get back to that talent level and that he can just lose that weight and get healthy again, it it is certainly possible that he rebounds and it's a good place to do it, a good enough place to do it in the SEC. But yeah, at the same time, it doesn't really get you that excited. So the one thing we should probably consider, though, is is what does this upcoming running back class look like? And it's wide open. I mean, depending on if Travion Henderson comes back, I, I suppose you know that could be a big wrinkle into things. But Raheem Sanders, he does have that opportunity to be a top three back in the class still, even ignoring or even considering how bad he was this season. So kind of, like you said, a lateral move. I don't know that I'm hating it though. Like I'm just not loving it. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly don't know enough about the offenses. I just know that Arkansas was really bad this past year. Um, you know, like whatever offenses, ch- offensive changes they made did not work. Um, KJ Jefferson decided to leave Raheem Sanders decided to leave and, and other players as well. So I'm hoping it can at least be a little bit better, or like you said, maybe a little more consistent. Maybe like you know, maybe the team will be a little bit uh, better overall, or like the overall scheme will be better. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, there's some other names like Marcus Carroll, uh, Chip Trainum that are probably more like C to C names. You know that you don't really truly need to care. I, I know. Uh, the C2C boys, yourself included, as far as at, at least that grouping, maybe not the feeling, but they seem to love Chip Trainum. I, I don't know how you feel about it. I, I don't love him nearly as much as, as some of those guys do. I mean, I, I think he fills in really good for what Raymond Davis did this last year. And at the end of the day, really good CFF upside there. I just don't know that he's a, he's a high-end back, but... And maybe we'll get into this later in the show, but we're seeing right now, though, in the NFL to just have relevancy and and to take over for a single season at a time in the NFL. Like some of these running backs who aren't even that talented, they can give you kind of that difference making production, at least for spurts of time, whether it's a few weeks or a few months or a whole season. So at the end of the day, yeah, you could do worse. I mean, I think that's a good landing spot where he should be able to get the job. So there's a sliver of, of hope there for NFL upside in Devi leagues, but it's certainly more like a C to C um, type of move. That's of interest. And I've heard some crazy hype though. Like he should be considered in the, in the first round for supplemental drafts. And I, I think that's going too far if he's out there um, available in supplementals, but that's, that's just me. Yeah. I, I think the, I think the trend that we're starting to notice in the NFL is the shifty, like speed backs are starting to get more touches like your Jalen Warrens, these smaller guys that have maybe a little more burst, like uh, Keaton Mitchell up until he destroyed his knee, you know, (laughs) like obviously Jameer Gibbs and 
and you know coming Even up James soon. Cook, it's like James Cook is not yep. good, but uh, well, he is good within the context of their offense. But he, as a prospect, he was not that good, and he was undersized, right? So it was concerning. Well, he was a he was a good receiving back. He wasn't a great running back, uh, but yet he seems to be flourishing, in, you know, in that offense, especially since the the coaching change. But the point of that is most of them you're seeing that are hitting your Jalen Warrens, Tony Pollard's like these guys that, that weren't ever going to be given anything five, 10 years ago. Now they're starting to get it is, is the burst is the big time run rate, like that kind of stuff. Chip Trainum doesn't have that. <laughs> he's just a big bruising back. Um, I'm sorry. He's not that explosive running back that I'm like, Oh, he, you know, he's not going to ever be a workhorse, but he could be that exciting guy that now nah, I, I just don't see it. Um, but then I guess the last running back that is probably important enough to talk about just actually happened. And it was C. Bangora today transferred to your team in Minnesota. Come to Minnesota, right? And uh, here he is. He came and it's uh, I, it's probably leaving a lot of people confused because what the hell? We thought we had Darius Taylor and even Zach Evans and everybody else. Yeah, I I really don't know what's going on there, but one thing I know is that Minnesota loves their running backs and, and they love to stockpile that room because they all seem to get injured and, and one of them, you know, steps in for another pretty well. So I, I think that kind of ruins Bengura's um I guess shot at, at having a really, really solid, well rounded season this next year. I still don't think he really wrestles away that starting job when it's all said and done just that transfer up in competition just didn't make a lot of sense to me, but he wants to be able to play at, you know, a power five level and things, you know, injuries or other things can go his way where maybe he does get an extended look as, as uh, playing a role this season, but kind of a meh move. I actually didn't really consider that one noteworthy. Um, Evan Pryor, former Ohio state running back. Typically you got to wait over you know, that next year in college, it just doesn't seem like these backs always get back to that same level of, of athleticism after a big injury, like an ACL tear. Like we had to wait a year for Marshawn Lloyd. And I think we're seeing the same thing out of an Evan Pryor or you even go to Georgia. And I don't think Andrew Paul is in the portal, at least not yet. So he's a, he's a good candidate for the portal though. These guys who very, very good recruits, a lot of athletic talent, like you were saying before that that makes a big difference if they have that burst in athleticism it actually seems to take like two years to get that back especially get back a really big role in college so just keeping an eye out there i mean that in deeper leagues for evan Pryor, he's not a guy that you're investing in in devi at the moment but he has a c to c stash uh for sure if he if he's in your supplementals yeah, especially like you said, for C to C, you know, transferring down from Ohio State to Cincinnati is probably going to be a, a pretty big boon for his actual stats and everything uh, for the production that he can put up. So I don't hate that. I don't know that I believe in him as a Debbie talent. Uh, but like you said, it, it could all be injury related. Maybe he bounces back this year and, uh, and and he's able to do something. You already touched on Evan Stewart. He just entered the portal today, so we really have no idea where he's going. He might, I mean, sometimes these guys, you know, know like, hey, they, they already made their decision. They're just, you know, making everything official now. And sometimes they're like, hey, I just want to let you guys know I'm out here. And it takes them weeks and months and all that kind of stuff. So, like, we, he might be so sought after that, you know, he gets multiple offers, which I'm sure he will like multiple great offers and he just waits and sees who's the best. And it might take a while before we actually get any kind of ideas. 
And I don't know how he feels about Connor Wegman, but he might even wait for to see if Connor Wegman's going to enter the portal as well and, and maybe try to go with him somewhere. Uh, but that I guess that would boil down to how he actually feels about Wegman and all that kind of stuff. Um, London Humphreys, my boy uh, from this past season, is uh, has already committed to Georgia. Uh, you know, we've talked in the past about how Georgia's passing offense isn't the greatest. Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty good with Carson Beck, but nothing special. Uh, so I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's going to be truly great for like production purposes, but I think for getting eyes on the player, I think it will be. And I think that London Humphreys could easily become the actual wide receiver one on that team. The question is, you know, does the wide receiver one on a Georgia team truly matter? <laughs> That's, that's fair, but I think we got to get excited because at the end of the day, we always preach, you know, go after really good players. And there's a chance that he is a, a very good player just based on the things that he did as a freshman in an already pretty talented wide receiver room at Vanderbilt, which everybody's leaving, by the way. <laughs> I mean, everybody's hopping out of there. Even Will Shepard, his, his teammate, who's a, a bit older, he's going to Colorado, which for his production, at least, that should be good. I don't know about his NFL prospects, but at the end of the day, Humphreys is a name to watch. Uh, people are, are going to get really excited about the Matthew Golden transfer from Houston to Texas. Uh, and we've talked about him on the pod. Neither one of us are, are the biggest fans. And, I, you know, I went on the C2C pod this before the season and, and kind of said that he was a guy that we should be fading at ADP or at least at, you know, lower on, we should be lower on than where he was going in drafts. And I, I think that looks pretty good now. Um, even after this transfer, it, it's like, eh, is he going to be some sort of alpha there? If he wasn't even, you know, an alpha at Houston, <laughs> that's the question we got to be asking and, and just not like drooling over the landing spot. Like that's not going to propel him into stardom though. He'll probably still be relevant for sure. So I guess Matthew Golden to, to Texas is a big one and and potentially our our former boy, Ja'Cory Brooks. Um, way back in the day, we liked him. He's, he's going to Louisville now where maybe they can implement a, a lethal passing attack there. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm not holding out a lot of hope for Ja'Cory these days. Yeah, I mean, it's tough with them. Like you have no idea if it's a head case thing or you know if it was behind the scenes did he have issues with the coaches or you know did he just was he just a bad player and he just didn't practice right didn't have the right you know head on his shoulders all that kind of stuff we we really have no idea because he showed flashes for sure i mean he he truly did and he showed that he should have been the wide receiver one on that team and he just wasn't um so i you know especially like that team did not have an actual wide receiver one on it so he should have easily been it even with the bad quarterback play and all that, it didn't matter. Like he, he would have shown up more than that. He couldn't even hardly get on the field uh, towards the end there. Um, now I, another player that you, I think were pretty high on at one point, uh, but he also had off the field concerns and all that. It was Dion Burks. Um, are you willing to get back on, on that train or are you just completely out? <laughs> But I'm somewhere in the middle, like undecided. He needs a really big season to really boost his stock into something that we we can honestly believe in. So at this point, you know, it's a very interesting landing spot at, at Oklahoma, correct? Um, yeah, I, I like that landing spot for him. So th that's of interest. And then Antoine Wells, where I know he's he's this older guy, and I wasn't fully bought into him this season or, or even last season, you know, at South Carolina, but going over to Ole Miss, we just know the track record of Ole Miss wide receivers. Even this year, very, very average 
um, talent level wide receivers. I mean, I guess say what you want about Taj and and Watkins, but like those guys were not that good. I mean, they're they're fine college wide receivers, but I mean, we we would think that Wells is better than them, and that could actually lead to a really nice season, still pairing with Jackson Dart. So that's actually a sneaky one for CFF production, and. I guess in recent years, we've seen these older wide receivers still be able to excel at the NFL level. I mean, you look at a guy like uh, um, Tank Dell, you know, who is, I don't know, six years in college or whatever it is, like not the best profile in that way, but lands in the right spot and really breaks out. So, I mean, Anton Wells, at least watch for that at, at Ole Miss. That's actually a great point because I kind of wanted to be completely out on Wells, just, you know, he's going to be a six year player. You know, at that point, it's like, what what can you do? But we saw what he did as an actual senior in his fourth year. Pretty badass year with Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. And then, you know, last year, we basically hurt the entire season. You know, barely did anything. I think he had like three receptions or whatever it was. And and like you said, I, I kind of I forgot until you said it that Jackson Dart is going back to school or staying in school. And Jackson Dart might be the QB one in that class right now. Um, there's definitely, I mean, it's, it's not hundred percent guaranteed. It's, it, there's a lot up in the air, but he's in the mix at the very least. And you think about, like you said, there's, there's already a good track record with Ole Miss. Obviously we know that the NFL is going to care about what's happening at Ole Miss. Jackson Dart's doing good things. The offense is doing good things. And we know Wells can be a stud when he's healthy. So the question becomes if he's healthy, if he's healthy, then, you know, like, will he produce like he did his senior year? And if he does that, man, like, he, he really could, even as a six-year player, still be one of those top guys. And we're seeing more and more, even fantasy players used to be like, nope, if it's not a junior, I don't want him. And now, like, you know, oh, give me this guy, give me that guy, give me Bo Nix, give me Michael Penix Jr. You know, like, I mean, that's obviously quarterbacks are a little more different. Um, but I think and we're starting to see even fantasy players and the NFL um, together kind of forgiving age and forgiving issues. Like you said, tank Dell is, is a great example. I, I think he's already 24 and uh, you know, like people are like, Hey, he's, he's a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. I don't care if he's, you know, five, eight, I don't care if he's 170 pounds and I don't care that he's 24 already. He, he's, he's a top 12 guy, you know? Yeah. And, and say thing with Jaden Reed, right from this year's class going to the Packers and like, he's proven that he's, he's most likely the consistent, uh, consistent wide receiver that they need. And the age, you know, I guess you can kind of forget about that or even guys like Puka Nakua. I mean, you know, by no means was he like this young guy early to declare like, no, I mean, he had to wait, um, throughout college to really, um, make it to the NFL level. So, it's just more and more common now to be able to get to that fourth year or even a fifth year or so. Um, and, it, and going back to Antoine Wells, like, yeah, it was just a lost season for him injury wise. So I guess I'm not changing a whole lot other than saying it's kind of bad luck, but he has another season to potentially redeem himself. Yeah, that's really fair. And you know, it, it, it would have been different if he transferred to a Louisville or something like that, you know, where he he's moving down, but I don't think Ole Miss transferring over to Ole Miss is a bad thing for him. Um, and like I said, you know, we, we already touched on that. So um, you talked about Matthew golden. Do you care about the tight ends? Justin Jolly Holden stays uh, our boy, dirty Mike uh, just put out an article coming out 
probably today when you're listening to it, um, on uh, campusdecanton.com about Justin Jolly. So if you want to know anything about him, uh, if you've never heard that name before, then you should definitely go check that out. Uh, but he transferred to NC State. That's not overly exciting, but I actually like the prospect. Uh, I mean, not to say that my tight end five is anything overly exciting um, be- in Devi because tight end five doesn't truly mean all that much, but he is my tight end five in Devi. So that's, uh, I guess, kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of is. And this guy's on the portal, but I just got to ask your thoughts on Harold Fannin here one of these days. You don't have to answer now, but tight end Bowling Green, tight end. You know, I'm a big fan of him. Um, but kind of just, I mean, he really blew up down the stretch this last season, but explosive, big, second, uh, I think this was his second year. He kind of really broke out after, you know, some flashes as a freshman. So I just think that, you know, Jolly... I actually have a few more question marks on him compared to a fan. Um, and, and I've always been a big fan um, of stays Holden stays as well at Notre Dame. So ultimately. Uh, looks like Aaron cut out. So I, uh, while he's cut out uh, before he comes back, he was talking about Harold Fannin jr. Uh, out of Bowling Green, I actually have him as my tight end four, just ahead of Jolly. So I do like uh, Fannin, and uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, not transferring. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think didn't somebody transfer? No, 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 no. That was Baylor. Never mind. Okay, so uh, yeah, I, I like Fannin. Once again, we're, we don't get overly excited about the tight ends. Um, I don't. I, we don't even talk about them all that much, but I think that those are two names that don't get talked about all that often that uh, probably should be on your radar at the very least. And, uh, and of course, Toronto Dave's in the chat. Sup studs. What's up, buddy? Um, so I don't remember exactly where you cut out, but you started talking about uh, Holden stays and then you cut out. Yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, Holden stays is, He's just always been kind of interesting as far as an athlete coming out, a good recruit at the tight end position, and ultimately going to a place that we know can develop tight ends. Looks like it's not really working out there, though. So at the end of the day, looks like he might be going to Tennessee. We'll see. I have some hope for him because he flashed uh, some splash plays this season, basically, and he has the size speed that you want. It's just a matter of, well, can they develop him? Because he was a raw guy coming out, and I by no means think that he's like a finished product, but him being ranked this highly as far as his star rating at at 93 is, is not super surprising to me Uh, as he is a good blocker. You know, that's one of his, his best attributes. They almost at certain times wanted to prioritize that just because he was, he was very effective in that part of the game. Yeah. It's hard for me to get too excited about him because I mean, he barely even, you know, saw the field, uh, from what I can tell, I'm seeing 34 routes for the season. Um, you know, of course, a very small market share, you know, yards per team pass attempt, like everything is low, including the yards per reception, which, you know, even sometimes with the smaller samples, I can look towards the yards per reception and say, okay, but he was explosive and he, he had some big plays, but I'm seeing 11.4, um, yeah, 11.4 yards per reception, 11.7 this year that just doesn't truly do it for me (laughs) but but you know justin jolly a guy at a lower level like uconn obviously he had more volume right which was very notable but you know he's a guy who averages 10 yards per reception and i'm like if you only do that at uconn you know i 
I, I kind of leap to, well, I'd rather have Stays, who's a guy who's now, you know, heavily interested, or a lot of schools are heavily interested in, who has that athleticism, that recruiting background. But like you said, it's it's a little bit more of a leap of faith because he hasn't done it yet, right? He hasn't commanded that large volume share. So at, at the end of the day, he's more of a depth guy, but I liked him as a sleeper this last season, and, and it should be kind of nice to see if he can get a, a nice role um, in a pass-happy offense like Tennessee. Yeah, it's it's more just he didn't really see the field. You know, you got to be able to get on the field to uh, for you know me to rank you up there. And yeah, like I, I that's why Harold, Harold Fanning Jr., um, is a little higher because he has a higher yards per reception. You know, like he, he looks like he's probably a little more athletic than Jolly, um, higher yards per team pass attempt, uh, the same exact market share, which is pretty crazy. Uh, like literally the same exact market share. Um, and the PPR points per touches are pretty similar. So like they're, they're pretty similar prospects, like as far as like final grade, but when you look at them, you know, you can see that they're they're really two different players, probably. Um, but that's probably the most tight end talk that we've ever had, and more tight end talk than we needed to have. Uh, is there anyone else that you truly feel like needs to be talked about in the transfer portal before we start talking about these NFL draft declares? No, no, we can go to the NFL side for sure. And I mean, not to say that it was a bad thing, but I mean, we did a solid 30 minutes on the, <laughs> on the uh, transfer portal players, uh, but like it's, there was like, quite a few to cover. We didn't even get into, to, you know, every player either. Like you know, we, I mentioned them, but you know, like Brock Vandegrift going to, to Kentucky, you know, it could be absolutely nothing. Could be something. I don't know. But <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm so low on him in comparison to. Well, actually, I know. I, I don't, I don't I know, know a lot of people who are high, right? But, um, but yeah, right, but I mean, a lot could of, it be worse than Devin Leary, though? <laughs> yeah, right, right. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there where it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like Tyler Van Dyke to Wisconsin. But for NFL purposes, no, I think we talked about the guys we needed to. Yeah. We, we didn't talk no, about Riley Leonard, but at this point, he's not an NFL caliber passer unless he takes a huge step and, and he's going to Notre Dame. It's like that's not really where guys go to to take a huge step as as NFL prospects uh, passing wise. Yeah, absolutely. But these players have taken those steps, and and those are the players that have actually declared for the NFL draft already. And we'll stick with the quarterback position here. Uh, we have a, a pretty decent list. We're obviously expecting there's going to be other players that join this list pretty soon. But of the players that have actually declared for the NFL draft, we have Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Heisman winner, Jaden Daniels, mind you, uh, Spencer Rattler, Curtis Rourke and Michael Pratt. I know obviously how you, I mean, I think everyone knows how you feel, how I feel and everything else about Drake may, we probably don't need to talk about him too much. Uh, but how are you feeling about the other players there? Well, finally, Michael Pratt is QB three. That's actually, you know, <laughs> maybe coming through, but it, it won't stay that way. Um, you know, Drake may Jaden Daniels. Um, I, I just, to, at this point, it's too early to speculate like where, where they're going to necessarily 
stack up an entirety of the class, but we just know that they're top guys, right? I mean, whether Caleb Williams comes out doesn't really change much for, for Mayor Dan Daniels. We know that they're good, and people need to start coming around to Jaden Daniels as being like a legit first-round quarterback type of guy. So, yeah, I'm excited to see those guys declare, but there's more to roll in. I mean, I anticipate Caleb Williams and potentially J.J. McCarthy as well. We'll, we'll see, I guess, um, and there will be more guys. So Spencer Rattler, not really somebody we should be anticipating, um, you know, having hope for him and Curtis Rourke. Nah, not really. Even though I actually saw him in the transfer portal. So I wonder if that list that we had from fantasy pros is, is incorrect. If he changed his mind. Yeah, I will admit. I just, I just Googled, a. Uh like NFL draft prospect list. And this is what came up from fantasy pros. It said it was updated as of today. So if that's not true, uh, blame fantasy pros, do not blame me, uh, and my laziness, but <laughs> I actually just brought up NFL mock draft database, which is uh, com, which is what I use when I'm trying to project uh, NFL draft capital, because once we start getting all of the NFL, uh, draft prospects into, uh, or, you know, once everyone's committed then or declared, I should say, then I start wanting to like say, hey, you know, where are these guys going to be drafted and trying to like, you know, come up with my my final ranks before the draft. And as of right now, Jaden Daniels is projected to go eighth overall in the NFL draft. So, I mean, you know, you, you might have concerns. The listeners might have concerns. It seems like the NFL or at least the people mocking players to the NFL are no longer concerned like Jaden Daniels is the truth. And I mean, I think we've seen it with, you know, NFL mock drafts, with fantasy mock drafts, with just about everyone. Jaden Daniels went from like an afterthought to, yeah, he's the QB three in the class. And by QB three, I mean, he's the 103 or the 104 in rookie drafts, like that kind of thing, where obviously he was not anywhere close to that. We can go back to a full tilt Debbie pod mock that I did uh, like three months ago at this point, And I drafted him at the 204, I believe. It was either 204 or 207. I think it was a 204. And, you know, obviously now that seems crazy. But at the time I said, I think he's going to go before this when it's all said and done. But this is where I'm taking him. And now he's going as the 104. <laughs> yeah, his rise has been crazy. And I think the last podcast that we did with Mike, when he came on, we did a mock. I leave i took him at 106 but it was some some place you know middle of the first round and i think you're going to see that more and more now so it's good to adjust but at this rate i don't think if you're trying to target him in a trade i, I guess there is a chance that maybe you know depending if you're a contender or not on the nfl side you're in the league and you see Jaden daniels out there and you're like eh, maybe i should just get rid of this extra depth you know player and, and quarterback kind of just try try to invest in a guy like Gene Daniels where people are not convinced or they're not very sure if he's going to go high in the draft, if he's going to be a good prospect. But at this point we can, you know, somewhat confidently say like Gene Daniels is a guy you want to invest in, which you say that, like you said, three months ago, and that's not as popular of a, of a thing to say. Yeah. Like if you have a Michael Pratt on your Debbie squad, do whatever it takes to trade Michael Pratt plus for Jaden Daniels. <laughs> like, you should have done it a long time ago, but uh, it's not too late. 
I, I think it's too late. <laughs> but like you said, you, you, you should have done that. Yes. <laughs> there still seems to be people that, that like Michael Pratt for whatever reason. I, I don't understand it. Couldn't be me. I don't think it's you. Uh, but <laughs> uh, why don't we get into the running backs really quick? Obviously not nearly as fun. Although there's a giant list of running backs that have already declared for the NFL draft, which is uh, interesting seeing as how it's like the most devalued position now. Uh, but we have Braylon Allen, obviously the big one. Uh, Trey Benson is definitely up there. Marshawn Lloyd probably doesn't get the respect that he deserves, but he's already done it. Audric Estime, you know, probably the RB1 in the class. Uh, right, 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 right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ray Davis has shown some flashes, although, you know, not really consistently or, or anything like that. And then that's really it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Bucky Irving, uh, obviously the stud. We just talked about how the NFL is allowing these smaller players to have pretty decent roles, especially for fantasy purposes. Um, it's working out pretty well. Who's stopping Bucky Irving from doing the exact same thing? I don't know. And I think the NFL might really like him. And then Jalen Wright is probably the last one that I would say is like truly exciting and i mean while i don't necessarily love jalen wright he could be that like fourth fifth round guy that you draft and like eventually he gets a starting job uh because of injuries and you know next man up kind of thing and here you go you know you, you have a jerome ford kind of deal for the next you know six weeks or whatever it is it you know could be the difference in winning games or not i was thinking isaiah pacheco actually jalen wright to that mm -hmm. i mean he just runs I won't say he runs the same way because Pacheco, I mean, there's so many funny videos out there of like, you know, how he runs and he's running super aggressively. But I mean, Jalen Wright is aggressive in a different way with his speed, right? He has that aggressive speed and burst that you love to see. And it's it's something that's going to translate well. We talked about the importance of that earlier in this podcast, and I, I think that's going to translate well. And one additional guy too, Amani Bailey, TCU running back to same type of deal, right? He's a later round guy. Is he going to be a cornerstone rusher for a team? No, but like we see guys like Zach Moss and Ty Chandler and these guys down the stretch being important players now given not valued that highly, but important at the same time for contenders. And at the end of the day, if he's sitting there on your bench, because you know, you, you took a shot on him in, in the fourth round or fifth round and stashed him on a taxi squad. He could be playing a role for an NFL team next year because we know that Amani Bailey is, he's not a zero athleticism wise. Like he's not just the sluggish plotter guy. So no. ultimately he's more yeah, of a sleeper. So, yeah. No, I, I actually, I'm so happy that you brought him up. I think I kind of just, I've never truly paid attention to him maybe because of TCU. I, I don't know why. Um, but I've never really paid attention to him. And I think I was listening to a pod or I was on a pod and somebody mentioned Imani Bailey. It might've been you. I don't know. And I'm, I'm looking at my ranks and I'm like, he's actually pretty high. <laughs> like, why do I never look at this guy? Why do I not like have him like in my mind when I'm thinking about good players and I skipped right over him. And yet, you know, I'm looking at all the stuff like the big time run rate, 10% big time run rate. That's great. Like that shows that athleticism and burst that we, that we love to see, um, decent size, pretty good size, actually like good PPR points per touch. The only thing is he never truly got like a workhorse role or anything like that. And, and maybe that's not ever going to be his thing, but, um, I actually have him ranked over, uh, Jalen Wright. I'd rather have him than Jalen Wright. And that, like you said, maybe that's a, he's a sleeper maybe that's like controversial or whatever but i mean i there's not much to hate and i i'm 
upset that I keep skipping over him, but maybe this will finally like get it like in my brain. Like I need to actually have him in my mix. He, he's getting the respect tonight. Uh, Monty Bailey. Folks. That's right. Yes. Yes. He and is. yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, both him, Monty Bailey and, and Jalen Wright at Tennessee, were kind of in these split weird split backfields, but that doesn't always, you know, sometimes coaching staffs are so weird with the running backs. Like we know that wide receiver targets for the most part are earned, especially in college and especially at the NFL level, even more so. Um, we know that good players earn targets, but at running back, we actually don't know that good players get touches. Like coaches make suboptimal decisions all the time. I mean, look at what's transpiring with B. John Robinson at the highest level of football, NFL. I mean, it's just atrocious and unfortunate. So at the end of the day, who knows? I mean, Jalen Wright was clearly more explosive and effective than these other Tennessee running backs. Um, Amani Bailey was clearly more explosive than the ghost of um, Trey Sanders. <laughs> it, it's just like, at the end of the day, the, the coaching staffs were, were not willing to give them a full workload, but you know, they make a suboptimal running back decisions all the time. And, and there's still that belief out there. You got to keep these guys fresh and spell them. So ultimately I'm not going to let that, um, you know, scare me away from these guys as later round options. Let's calm down with the Dylan Sampson hate saying that Jalen Wright was was better and more explosive and all that. I don't know about all that. Well, well, well that, I feel Jabari that's on the small. coaches. That's on the coaches. <laughs> yeah, but you know Jabari Small is kind of more who I was referencing. Who was who was, a, you know, oh yeah, coach, coach, coach's favorite there, right? I mean, he we know that he's not as good, but he was a coach's favorite. He still got how many touches this year is ridiculous. Yeah, and this is going to be my uh, once a podcast. Uh, moment to tell you go get Dylan Sampson if you haven't already because the fact that Jalen Wright has gone to the NFL finally and uh, Javari Small should be gone it could very well be the Dylan Sampson show Sampson show and I feel like people really want it to be uh damn it now my mind just blanked on uh on the wide receiver that, that converted a running back but they they wanted to be well, Cam Seldon right Cam Seldon thank you yes they wanted to be Seldon I don't know. Like he barely saw the field if he did at all this year. And that's not always like, you know, the, the answer, you know, but I feel like if he was just going to be given the reins that he would have gotten some kind of run at some point. And I mean, you know, Dylan Sampson showed that he can be a thing. So go get Sampson cheap before it's too late, but why don't we dive into the wide receivers here? Uh, this is probably the most exciting uh, position. I mean, actually the quarterbacks are pretty damn exciting, but I feel like people are getting really hyped about the wide receivers. I think it's honestly, my opinion has been for a while. And now like the closer we get to the NFL draft, uh, the more I feel that this wide receiver class is going to be way overrated when it's all said and done. There's some very good players in the wide receiver class, but there's some very not good players that are getting way overhyped. And I'm going to take advantage of that when it comes to my rookie drafts. But I think there are, you know, there's some players that have already declared here in Troy Franklin, Tez Walker. Um, actually, that's probably it for like the big names that have honest that have already declared. Uh, but then we also have some some lower names like Johnny Wilson, Ricky Pearsall, Brendan Rice out of USC, Jamari Thrash. Uh, but like, why don't we talk about the two big names there, Troy Franklin and Tez Walker? We know that you were a big Tez guy going into the season. Everything didn't work out quite the way that you wanted it to, just because of the way that. Uh, you know, the NCAA screwed him over and all that kind of stuff. But 
Um, how are you feeling about the fifth year player there? Cause obviously he's a little bit older. Uh, there's some question marks as far as, you know, there are multiple transfers, you know, only played a half a season and all that, but man, when he was on the field, he was a difference maker this year. Absolutely. Yeah. When the guy's on the field, just like you said, he's great. And the weird beginning to his career and in the injury there, I mean, it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. The NCAA threw off what it could have been a very special season, but at the end of the day, Hey, he got out there on the field. He showed us that, yeah, he can actually be pr very productive at a high level of football and, you know, learn a new offense and everything like that, transition and smoothly dominate as soon as he sets foot on the field at UNC in spring practices. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, Troy Franklin also declaring in, in the class from Oregon. That's exciting. Um, absolutely a, a good player. Now, is he elite? I mean, He's not an elite prospect, but he's a good prospect. And I, I think that he deserves respect. And ultimately this class, you know, very much an incomplete list of declarees thus far, but there's guys who still are playing in bowl games or, or making those decisions still. So ultimately, yeah, I like, I like this class. Uh, it has the potential to be overhyped, but that's true with every single class. Like last, this last year's class was a very good wide receiver class. And then you go to the year before, I mean, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave. Um, and, and there's some other guys who, who have played a nice role at the NFL level so far. So I think nowadays maybe we're getting better at, at prospecting, or maybe there's just more wide receiver prospects out there who are getting developed better by teams, by coaches, et cetera. Um, maybe guys are actually playing the right positions um, that are optimal from them from a young age. I don't know, but it just seems like maybe we'll expect to see more and more hits these days compared to before um, for a multitude of reasons, better scouting, better development, et cetera. So I guess that's an interesting um point to say like you know we keep hyping up each draft class at the wide receiver position but maybe there's something there because i think this class is another good one yeah and, and like you said there, there's always going to be over ranked and overrated players um you know obviously jonathan mingo got overdrafted and that caused him but going into the offseason last year I don't think there was as many, like no one was talking about Jonathan Mingo until like a week before the draft, you know, until the combine and all that kind of stuff. Um, even Rasheed Rice had some you know, people that were, you know, backing him up and everything, but no one was really talking about Rasheed Rice as like some big name prospect or anything until he landed with the Chiefs. You know, like we're already hearing people talking about a Keon Coleman, uh, you know, even like a Roma Dunze as, as uh, these top tier players. And I don't think that they're top tier players. And that's the difference I think that I'm seeing this year. There's always overhyped and overrated players, but they don't always get pushed up into the, into the first round or, you know, of rookie drafts as far as mocks and all that kind of stuff. They don't always get put, pushed in that top tier. Last year we had uh, QJ. I think I really feel like that was about it. If it wasn't for Quentin Johnston, I don't know that there was anyone that was being like overly hyped going into, you know, this time of year. Uh, you know, December, January, February, it was once we got into March and April, that's when we started seeing it. And so that's why I feel like it's already getting hype. What if somebody goes out and puts up, you know, what if a Brian Thomas Jr. goes out and runs like a four, three, six or something like that. And next thing you know, and I'm not even saying he can't, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, he's athletic, obviously. I don't know how athletic he is, but what if somebody does something like that? And next thing you know, they're like, Brian Thomas Jr. Look what he did this year. 
he's he's the top tier guy. He's he's my wide receiver four in the class. You know, like it's just stuff like that is going to happen. But we're already starting to see it, and that's why I'm like, man, I I kind of love it because I feel like I'm going to get steals in the end of the first and 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 into going into the second round, but. At the same time, I feel bad for people because they're going to be taking just not good players. Uh, and, and that's not even to say that Roma Dunze, Brian Thomas Jr., like those players are bad, uh, but they're not players that they're not top tier talent that should be pushed up, uh, at least in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. And other names that you're going to hear hyped up that haven't declared yet, because like I said, either they have still some big games to play or for other reasons, but like A.D. Mitchell, he's going to get some hype. Xavier Leggett. How did I forget A.D. Mitchell? He's the most overhyped player. Like I I knew (laughs) I was forgetting somebody and then you just thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Xavier Leggett. I mean, South Carolina, he is going to get hyped up because like you said, there's these guys who pop. Well, you know who's going to pop at um, with some of that athletic testing? It's, it's Leggett. I mean, he's projected to run a 4-2. Like that, that is ridiculous. You know how high he's going to go after the season he just had. And I'm not saying he's not deserving of, of having, you know, decent draft capital or, or whatever, but I mean, he's going to be pushed up probably too high. And then uh, we'll see, I guess, some other guys. I think you mentioned good ones. Maybe Jermaine Burden, because he's a fast kid who, you know, played at uh, Alabama. He played at Georgia. Like, that's going to be appealing for some team, just like it was appealing for John Mechie and otherwise. But it doesn't mean that we should value them highly. Just kind of know that they're going to get hyped up at some point by somebody. Maybe you should be the person that passes on them. Let somebody else draft them. Uh, but just be aware of that, that there's going to be some hype and you just got to sift through it. I, you know, don't let it bother you. Uh, there's going to be some really good wide receivers out of this class. It seems. Yeah. Malachi Corley, another one, like people fell in love with Corley and, you know, but G five program, which is not a good bet to begin with. Uh, but you know, it was more, uh, overall production than actual like good underlying numbers and like that kind of thing. And, and he's another one. I saw somebody today and that was just a random person on Twitter. I'm not saying this was some expert or anything like that, but I saw somebody today saying if they, uh, if the bears could draft MHJ in the first and Corley in the second, that that would be an ideal situation. It was either the second or third, whatever it was, but it was high, you know, early on. And that would be like an ideal situation for the bears. Just like, no. (laughs) So, but you know, you're already starting to see stuff like that. So I, uh, you know, I I think, yeah, Brendan Rice is another one I was going to mention. And, and, uh, Aaron just brought him up as well in the chat and, you know, just because of who he is, he's Jerry Rice's son. Uh, He actually, you know, put up decent numbers this year. Like, I think that it's, he's going to be, and also the school, you know, like the connected with Caleb Williams, you know, like, look what he did. You're going to, when you're seeing, when people are looking at Caleb Williams highlights, they're going to see Brennan, uh, Brennan Rice catching a touchdown and doing this. And next thing you know, he's overhyped. So I definitely feel like this wide receiver class can get way overhyped before we even get to combine and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, the way I see it is, I mean, you, you should be able to take advantage of that kind of stuff before the combine, before the NFL draft, trading for certain players, trading away certain players, like that kind of thing. Hopefully you don't have an Xavier Leggett on your team, but if you do, for whatever reason, you know, you trade him away and, and go get you an actual player, uh, you know, that, that's probably going to matter when it's all said and done. Cause I don't think Leggett's going to be that guy. Yeah. Very fair. 
Uh, all right. Well, we said that we were going to talk about what we've learned so far this year, and then we spent almost an hour on uh, on NFL draft prospects and uh, transfer portal prospects, and that's on me as the host. But anyway, that's just what we do. We like to talk, and and we like to give you guys as much info as possible. But why don't we transfer over to maybe a shorter segment on? Uh, and maybe not. Who knows? So we can just talk all night. Uh, I'll see if my wife can bring me another drink, and then we'll just we'll go another hour. But uh, why don't, you know, why don't we talk about what we, what we've learned this year? I'll, I'll start just because I I mentioned to you before we started the pod that you know I really want to talk about um, one of the big things for me, and it's always been our big uh, focus on the podcast on this podcast is player values and, and, and actual players, not looking at schemes, not looking at fits and not, you know, necessarily we will do that when it, when it, you know, it, it makes sense, but we want to look at who are the best players and whether it's C to C, whether it's Debbie or whether it's NFL or dynasty, I've really focused on, on who are the best players are in this past year. And I really feel like it's worked out because we've seen, especially on the NFL side, We've seen just unbelievable injuries, um, if, whether it's an injury to the actual player that you had or an injury to the quarterback, and now that's affecting the rest of the team, an injury to the running back, and now you have another running back stepping up, uh, so on and so forth. But because of all that, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, this is just a lost season. And, and honestly, like, it very well could be. You know, it could just be a season where you don't take too much away from it because so much has changed. And I don't hate that idea or, you know, that concept. But what I, I took away from it is I still, and this isn't to toot my own horn, it's just to prove the point. I still have done very well this year, especially in Dynasty. Um, and I believe that it's because I focusing on the, the best players and by doing so, even when I lose a Jamar Chase because Burrow's out and and that and now he's out, you know, this week and, and that kind of thing, I can still, you know, I can still bring up a Jaden Reed, um, you know, from the rookie class. I can still bring up a, uh, you know, even even a, a much lower uh, level, but at least earlier in the season, like a Marvin Mims from the rookie class, and and you know, like there's there's different players that we're able to do a Dontavian Wicks. Uh, I have. I have Dontavian Wicks on rookie drafts from uh, that were drafted before uh, the, you know, the actual NFL draft, and so like I just had Wicks like as a, like a throw-in and that kind of thing. And now, next thing you know, like I've taken him off my taxi squad. I'm actually playing Dontavian Wicks in a couple of leagues um, this week in in, in uh, like uh, what the uh, semifinals. So like stuff like that, you're able to do that by focusing on who are the actual best players and not just focusing on oh Jonathan Mingo and you know that's. I'm going to go to Jonathan Mingo just because it was the worst example from this year or best example, whatever you want to call it. Um, but like those kind of players going to the, to, to the best situations or wide open situation doesn't always work out. Uh, you're kind of seeing it working out with Rasheed Rice, but you know, like I feel like Rasheed Rice could get, you know, completely, you know, surpassed by another player. If, you know, Kansas city hopefully decides, Hey, maybe we should actually draft a wide receiver early, like a good wide receiver early uh, this upcoming year or get somebody in, you know, in uh, free agency or trading or whatever, like that kind of thing. Uh, so it's a very long winded way of saying that I, I, I feel like focusing on the players themselves is more important than focusing on the situations. And in the grand scheme of things, I think it actually helps your, your teams a lot. I've heard other podcasts 
Um, and, and I'm not going to name them or anything like that. I'm not trying to talk crap about other people or other podcasts. I'm just, I've heard other podcasts talking about the complete opposite, focusing on, on situations, not caring about who the players are and all that kind of stuff. And just focusing on, uh, you know, like player values and or not player value, but like actual values and dynasty and stuff like that. And, and just, you know, sending trades at will and all that kind of stuff. And I just, it's just not my style. And, uh, you know, I guess that's technically what I've learned this year. <laughs> There you go. And and what you're talking about, maybe at a, whether you call this or not, is, is like increasing hit rate by prospecting, like having a good uh, rookie prospect process, basically. Like, you know that guys like Jordan Addison, for example, or a little bit later on, Jaden Reed and Josh Downs were like safe, good prospects and good ones to invest in. And, you know, there were plenty of risky ones out there that you started to pass on. And Quentin Johnston, like you didn't, you know, neither one of us were insanely um, invested in him or anything. Uh, Keishon Boutte, like, I mean, yeah, I took some flyers because he was so cheap. But like, you know, the Jonathan Mingos, neither one of us drafted Jonathan Mingo, right? Jalen Hyatt's, I mean, if he was cheap enough, but still another one where it's like, not a strong, strong profile. There's always going to be the guys. And maybe like you said, it's somewhat situational, like the tank Dell and the Rashid rice and the Puka Nakua's and, and um, even wicks who is like, he was a fine prospect. Like you said, it's all about the price, I guess at the end of the day, because we know that situation. Oh, he was free. Plays, he was absolutely yeah. free. <laughs> you know? right. we, we know the situation plays a role. Um, if they're a really, really bad prospect, like just don't mess around with them, especially when the price is, is fair. Like I know Mingo is like the so obvious one that we were shouting from the rooftops. Right. But in, in previous Bigsby. drafts, yeah, that's the problem had... when they get when they get pushed up, you know, like Tank Bigsby was the and I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, Tank Bigsby was like the huge name. Like, oh, my God, he's going to take away from uh, from Trevor or Travis Etienne. And, you know, obviously he didn't and he's not a good player and he got pushed up for absolutely no reason. But I mean, there was people paying like a first when it was all said and done, like not necessarily right after the draft, but like before the season started, when he started getting hyped in the preseason and he's already, you know, he's running with the ones and this and that there's people paying like late first, early seconds or equivalent value for tank Bigsby and Jonathan Mingo and like all these players. And then, you know, of course it just, your team's ruined at that point. Not maybe not ruined, but like, like your team is in very bad shape at that point. Yeah, you're in trouble if you drafted Sky Moore two years ago at the end of the first. Like, like that was tough. Or I don't know. You go before that, and I'm trying to think back to like who the guys were, like Diami Brown and and guys like that. I mean, not that Diami was a terrible prospect, but you know, or Tylen Wallace, like those guys who are just not super strong. But I guess at the end of the day they weren't the best prospects either. And I think that everything is, is, should be weighed in tiers. Like first, you know, tier one, make sure that the player is pretty good, right? At least, or like very good, you know, as a prospect. And then you can start filtering a little, little bit of taking your shot on these guys who end up in a really, really good situation um, that can benefit from it. But the priority always should be yes. Try, try to get a quality prospect um, before just blindly looking at landing spot. But I do think that this, you mentioned right away, this year is a bit of an outlier year. And, and I would agree just because we are seeing so many guys hit where it's like, I mean, who had the Rohe, uh, Raheem Mostert, you know, leading the, the NFL in touchdowns this year, or Isaiah Pacheco actually holding down the job or, um, 
you know, the, the stuff that Nico Collins has done, or, or I guess some of these rookies like the Puka Nakua and yeah, it, it's kind of a wild year, honestly. So at the end of the day, it, it's a bit of both misses hits all over, but um like you said, you're doing pretty well because you invested in solid profiles. So it's not saying that other guys can't hit ever, but Hey, if you're trying to take these high probability bets here, you're going to come up with something of value versus swinging and missing so often. Exactly. And like I said, there's, I truly believe there's no right way to do dynasty. Everyone does it a little differently and everything. I'm just telling you what, what works for me. And I used to be really good at just competing all the time. You know, like I would always throw all my, my first away and just, you know, trade for whoever, you know, the next Derrick Henry, the next Travis Kelsey, like, you know, that, that kind of player. And it, and it worked for a while until it stopped working because I was hitting on your JJ or Sega white sides and, and those players in the draft, I'm getting, you know, 111, 112, and I'm getting these terrible players. And you do that for two, three, four seasons in a row. Next thing you know, you cannot compete anymore. You just can't do it. And that was when I created Beth. And that's when I, and I said, Hey, like I, something has to give here. And I don't like the way this is working. I'm listening to other people that maybe don't know this stuff as well as they're, you know, portraying or conveying. And, uh, and, and I was listening to the wrong people. And so I, I created my own thing and, you know, I'm doing much better now. And, and I, I love it. I, I love diving into these prospects. You know, obviously we're doing the podcast. We, we, we enjoyed looking at all these players and all that kind of stuff, but I love falling in love with the actual best players and then going out and drafting them and then, you know, reaping the rewards. Everyone loves Jaden Reed right now. Who the hell loved Jaden Reed at this time last year? Me? <laughs> like, that, that was about it, right? Like, there wasn't too many people that loved Jaden Reed uh, about a year ago. And now everyone, I mean, they, there's multiple podcasts today that I've listened to saying Jaden Reed is a must start in your semifinal matchups. You know, like you have to get him in, especially if Christian Watson's out again, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I mean, he was an, an afterthought. And obviously, he's not the only player. Like you said, there's other players that are maybe less likely outcomes, but they happened like a Puka Nukua, even like a Tank Dell. I love Tank Dell, but you know, there was a lot of factors with the rookie quarterback and, and you know, the size and, and everything else. Like there was no guarantees that everything was going to click the way that it did. And, but obviously it did. And then of course he got hurt, which you know, was terrible. But uh, you know, like, I think obviously Puka is the big one that we can say like, I don't think anyone ever expected that, <laughs> you know, you can say, Oh, I was higher on Puka, that kind of thing. No one expected what Puka became this year. And if you did, you're a liar. <laughs> yeah. That is the beauty of the game that we play is that sometimes these guys come out of nowhere and, and maybe they're flashing the pan, but some of them stick around for a long time, like the Terry McLaurin's of the world. And it's always fun to have those guys and, you know, just take a shot late and, and hit on them. So that's what keeps us coming back to this game, right? Is, is sometimes you get lucky in that way. And I, I think we got lucky there, whoever um, ended up drafting him. So, yeah. Another thing that I learned and, and I learned this, uh, this week was uh, don't mess with Aaron in the playoffs because Aaron beat me 265 to 127 in one of my playoff matchups. And that was just not nice. <laughs> all, all good. Got to, got to dish it back every once in a while. You'll, you'll probably take me out in, in a different league in the, 
maybe in our our OG dynasty league or something Ooh, in the finals. Would, we'll see. That would be nice. But <laughs> but what's something that you've learned this year and uh and hopefully, you know, it's uh it's not just that uh it, it's fun beating me by doubling my points. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, that's a good question as far as takeaways from this year and i haven't had as much time to reflect on this as i would like to with maybe that the nfl well yeah the nfl side of things for example since we've been talking a lot about that but i do always come back to the idea of, of being very active making lots of trades um you start to see the rewards and the profit and and the actual results from it when you continue to stay active on the waiver wire and active during the draft process, trading around in your draft and making trades throughout the season. And hopefully you don't have a trade deadline because we don't really love trade deadlines here. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, you have to make these these conversations with your league mates, whether it's hidden guys on the trade block or it's just you know sending offers, sending DMs, trying to create that dialogue. I think it is just so, so important to continue to um, try to make some moves, try to make your team better. However, however that needs to be, whether it's a rebuilding, acquiring picks, acquiring Devi assets, acquiring C2C players um, to try to win on both sides or, or to try to kind of not completely tear apart and rebuild, but just to try to retool, but always be active because you see the, the teams that are consistently at the bottom of the standings and they're the ones that don't make any moves and aren't really doing necessarily all the work that they need to both in the, in the draft research side of things, but then also, you know, they're, they're not paying as much attention to the important pickups, important um, moves that you, you should make during a course of a season. Yeah. And I think to that point, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier, but uh, with, especially with the running back position, being, being fluid and, and changing from the idea of it has to be a 230 pound guy, like that kind of thing. It has to be the workhorse guy and, and saying, you know, Hey, Kyron Williams is doing great. You know, in the beginning of the season, I need to go trade for that guy. Jalen Warren is doing big things, you know, over in Pittsburgh, even though he's only getting eight touches a game, I need to go trade for that guy while he's still cheap. I think of players like that, um, the NFL is changing and you know, we've, we've seen it with the wide receivers. Now we're starting to see with the running backs, you know, I feel like it's, it's kind of trickled down. Even it kind of started with the quarterbacks, really, if you think about it, you know, we started getting some shorter quarterbacks, smaller quarterbacks, all that kind of stuff. And it was, it used to always be these six foot five, you know, like Peyton Mannings and, and things like that. And now we're seeing Kyler Murray's and Bryce Young's and all that. You know, and I feel like on a side note that people are attributing Bryce Young's failures a little too much to his size and uh, and not necessarily to his situation. Uh, I might be, you know, I might be uh, willing to go buy a Bryce Young uh, if he's just completely forgotten about at this point or, you know, given up on at this point. But that's just complete tangent there. Um, I think that, you know, like I said, going out and getting a Kyron, I, I traded from now you were trying to you were trying to get rid of points. So like it wasn't like you. Uh, did it because you were like, oh, I hate Kyron Williams or whatever. You were trying to get points off your squad because you wanted to make sure that you got the 101 in a league. But I traded for Kyron Williams in the happy hour league uh, with you. And, you know, at the time I'm like, man, I don't even know if I really like this player, but he's doing pretty damn well. And, and you know, like injuries, bye weeks, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I better go get him. And I go get Kyron Williams for a second. Well, now 
it's like shit you can get you can sell Kyron Williams for a first you know? so like he's gained value but like I don't think anyone could have really seen that coming but once again we're starting to see more and more of that happening so maybe focusing on these kind of players that like who didn't who didn't show up this year that could show up next year because they get an opportunity Kendra Miller uh, I think Andre Miller is a great, you know, he was a great prospect. We both loved him. Uh, great size, great speed, great athleticism, you know, juking ability, all that kind of stuff. He's had some injury, bad luck. Now, if he's just an injury prone player, I, I can't say if he is or not. I feel like it's been more bad luck than anything. We've seen flashes of him in the preseason game. He had that like amazing catch. Um, you know, he had a couple big uh, big plays at the very least in the beginning of the season before he got hurt. But I feel like those kind of players are who we should be looking at right now and saying, I need to get them on my squad now while I can get Kendra Miller for a third. You know, I can go get a Zach Charbonnet for a second. And then if, you know, like people are concerned about what he did while um, Kenneth Walker was, was down, they played San Francisco twice and Dallas in between. I mean, those are three terrible matchups for a running back and he was okay he was pretty good like he wasn't amazing he wasn't bad or whatever he was fine if kenneth walker goes down for any particular reason next season and he's not playing san francisco twice and dallas once uh he could do much bigger or better things for your squad and if you're if people say hey you know he's terrible and you can go get him for a late second or or even possibly a third two thirds whatever like go get go do that kind of stuff with uh you know, with your running backs. And I'm sure there's other examples. I don't know if Aaron has any that he could think of, but I think that's when I want to start focusing on who are these athletic running backs that might be the next guy to get their shot. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that we named a bunch of them, honestly, like earlier in this podcast. So, you know, write down some of the names we were talking about earlier. Um, Amani Bailey and, and uh, what was it Jalen Wright and, and guys like that who have some burst. Bucky you know, Bucky Irving. Irving. I mean, he's going to be a little bit earlier, right? You might have to draft him in the second round of rookie drafts, but still um, could be very worth your time. So I think that, yeah, that's a good thing to keep in mind, kind of looking ahead though the the running back position is so cutthroat and volatile <laughs> that sometimes it's hard to do that but if you can you know get some cheap guys and just stash them away we we know they become a value as the season goes on we know how thirsty the NFL is for for hot bodies at the running back position it's just crazy at the amount of turnover there is and and uh, even at quarterback this year is kind of crazy too so i usually stash quite a few quarterbacks just because you know crunch time who knows who's going to be starting joe flacco and and guys like that in the playoffs and and i know i'm there in one league and hey i'm advancing with starting joe flacco so that doesn't feel great but hey you're doing it so stash your your quarterbacks every once in a while like i even thought of maybe Tannehill. Do you think he starts somewhere next year for an NFL team? I mean, I just, even if there's a 25% chance or 50% chance, he might be next to free, like in a league. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, it might be a little different now because I think he's going to start this week, um, you know, because Will Levis has a high ankle sprain and uh, I mean, he's also bad. But uh, and I think that like Levis might, might actually be out at least this week, if not more. So maybe it's a little more difficult now. But I mean, if you had sent a fourth, for Ryan Tannehill three weeks ago, I think you could have got him. And, you know, maybe even two weeks ago, maybe even this week, you know, you might still be able to send a fourth, you know, two fourths or, or whatever. And, you know, like 
yeah, Tannehill fell off and he's definitely, I would say he's even to the point where I would probably call him injury prone at this point. Like he seems to be having some major ankle issues. Um, so it's hard to say that he's ever going to be like hundred percent guaranteed to win you a season, that kind of stuff. But man, if you can get him for a third or a fourth or whatever, and he ends up being a starting quarterback, I mean, think about how many teams desperately needed a decent quarterback this year. And if he could have gone and been a decent quarterback, like a Jake Browning, like a Tommy DeVito, you know, like all these quarterbacks are at least okay. If he could have gone and been that for any team, he could have won you a game, won you a week at the very least. I mean, there, there's so many, like you, you're talking about, uh, um, you know, whatever quarterbacks, Joe Flacco, you're talking about Joe Flacco and you know, like that, that if he wins you one week, especially right now, I mean, that's huge. And if he, if Flacco gets you to, and now all of a sudden Jalen Hurts is healthy and you have Hurts and like, okay, well I got through that one week and now I can put Hurts back in my lineup, like that kind of thing, that kind of stuff matters. And maybe it's recency bias because the past two years have been just disgusting for quarterback injuries. But I feel like we have to start having these backup quarterbacks, but start thinking about who are the actual backup quarterbacks that are going to matter and not just, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, uh, Taylor Heineke. Well, yeah, like now Taylor Heineke is going to start again, but it, it's only because doesn't Des- is so bad, you know? And like, it's not because Heineke is actually good or, or whatever, you know, like, I feel like we have to try to see like who could actually have a shot of being good or at the very least decent. Sometimes decent is all we really need. Yeah. Yeah. And I still don't mind the idea of, you know, Heineke, if you're able to get him for like a fourth in a super flex league or not even right now, because right now he'll probably be more expensive with him likely starting for Atlanta right now and maybe rest of season. But, you know, last year you could get Sam Howell pretty cheap. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know if you're talking third round value, potentially super flex leagues. Probably. Um, yeah. 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 Baker. And then Baker Mayfield. Um, yep, exactly. We had the same thought there. So there are past examples where it seems like uh, maybe there's nobody out there this year because of all the injuries that have happened at the quarterback position. But I guarantee you that there's some guys that are maybe not playing right now that you could buy for pretty cheap where they're going to have a good role next year. It, and maybe it'll take a couple injuries. Maybe it'll take part of the season. But to have competent quarterback play in a super flex league is very important for sure. I think it's it's focusing on the ones that have that have already done it. You know, like people are gonna say, "Oh, Sam Howell is is risky and 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 all that." So even now, you know, he just got benched and and you know he just had a terrible game. Even now, you can probably go out and get Sam Howell for a second. You know, and and like maybe maybe you're saying, "Oh, I don't necessarily want to spend a second on this guy." Whatever. You can't tell me that Sam Howell isn't going to be a starter somewhere, or at the very least, a very high-end backup somewhere. Um, and you know, and, and we've seen a high-end backup could be an actual league winner when it's all said and done. So, like trading for that kind of guy, uh, I didn't really see anything you know this year from from someone like that. That you know, like I I wouldn't want to have that guy on my squad. And it's going out and getting these guys cheaper rather than focusing on oh I got to go get. I got to go pay 101 for Caleb Williams. Go pay 301 for Baker Mayfield from last year. <laughs> you know, like those are the kind of guys that you have to go get. I guess now we have to sit here and, and try to figure out who, you know, who those players are this year. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think, I think the obvious one is Bryce Young. Now it's not necessarily going to pay off next year. 
maybe it could, they don't have their first. That's obviously not going to help anything. Um, but just getting, you know, a new coach in there, a new scheme in there, uh, you know, bring, they have so much money. They, you know, they can go get like big name free agents. Next thing you know, maybe they actually have like a somewhat decent squad. He shows a little sign of promise in his second year. And now he's worth a little bit more, a little bit more like that kind of thing. Maybe, you know, once again, he wins you one week, winning that one week, two weeks, whatever could be the difference between making the playoffs, having the buy, or even winning a playoff game. And, you know, like I'm, that's, I guess that's another thing that I've learned this year is like sometimes winning that one week because of a certain player. And it goes back to drafting good players that I think are going to get on the field and, and do all that kind of stuff. I drafted Tucker craft in so many leagues in like the fourth rounds of, of leagues. And you know, at the time I'm like, whatever, put him on my taxi squads. It won't matter. But like, I believe in the player. I, I think he's a quality tight end. If he gets a shot, everything will be great. Tucker Craft has been a starting court or starting tight end for my teams, like multiple teams, the past like two or three weeks. And uh, I have a, a team in the semifinals that will be starting Tucker Craft this week. So I mean, like players like that matter, and it's it's going out and finding like who is going who's going to be that next player, whether it's a quarterback, tight end, running back, wide receiver that you know I can get super late, and even if he just gets me that one or two starts, like that might be enough. Yeah. That's fair. And I think that Mac Jones, very, very unpopular player right now. And, and I know a player that you've liked traditionally, and, and I'm you know kind of in the middle there, but I, I think that he presents another very cheap option that you could just buy. He's that lottery ticket. If he ends Great. up in the right, yeah, right place, right time, he has a bunch of starting experience. He was in a, just a terrible position um, for his development, for him to shine and ultimately, I guess you never know what kind of system he lands in. He goes to Sean McVay and, and Stafford um, is out for the year. Well, there you go. You got a pretty darn good quarterback there for a while, maybe of the future for a team. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It feels gross at this very time. I'm sure people are laughing. They're like, now you guys are mentioning these names on here. They're, they're trash. But right now, today's trash is maybe next year's you know, a little hidden gem, you know, a little boost to the lineup. No, actually, I, I can't even, I'm mad at myself for forgetting that one. So I'm very happy and, and grateful that you brought that one up because I think that that might actually be the best one because Bryce Young is still going to carry some value because people paid, you know, high in, you know, picks for him. And so they don't want to just give him up for nothing. People will give up Mac Jones for anything at this point. I would, I would assume. Um, I haven't truly tried because I've been trying to win championships. So I'm not in that, like, let's go think about next year mode just yet in a couple of exam. But, um, once I get to that point, I'm going to send out a lot of offers for Mac Jones because there's a very good chance that he's cut at this point. I mean, I, I'd say that's almost a guarantee that he's cut at this point. Like they've, they've shown that they don't want him on the team. Like they, they'd rather, you know, go with Bailey Zappi and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. Let them. The, the Patriots are a freaking dumpster fire right now. He's in like one of the worst situations, if not the worst situation, but he's shown I mean, it's almost exactly the same situation as Baker Mayfield. He showed his his um, rookie year that he could do it. He showed that he had what it took his rookie year. And then things got worse as a team, coaching, surrounding, you know, situation, all that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, 
oh my god it didn't work out uh not not only that but a different offensive coordinator every year just like baker mayfield now that didn't change for baker he still had a different offensive offensive coordinator every year but what happened he finally found one that clicked he found one that clicked he found a team that clicked and he went fell into a, a good situation mike evans uh chris godwin you know a decent uh, offensive line, not great, you know, but decent offensive line, a good running back in Rashad White. Next thing you know, he's a stud. He's like, you could almost, you could call Baker Mayfield a, a league winner at this point. Like he, especially with what he did this past year or this past week, I mean, in, in the first week of the playoffs, 300 and something yards, four touchdowns, like that's a league winner right there. And you got him for thirds and fourths and, and whatever else. Uh, I, I could easily see Mac Jones doing the same thing. And like you said, he's not guaranteed a starting job anywhere, but those guys, they they find a way, whether it's through injury, a trade, whatever, they find a way to make it to a starting position. And so you find these guys that are, that are you know, you, you've seen flashes and everything's not perfect, but you go, I want that guy on my team if I can get him for the right price. And Mac Jones, you can get for the right price right now. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, two years ago, it was Jared Goff. This last year, maybe a couple of years ago, I guess if you bought at the cheapest time, Jordan Love. I mean, at least he has value now, right? I mean, he's usable. And and Jared Goff, look at what Jared Goff has done the last couple of years. Again, like you could argue, yeah, league winner. Well, if he's your second quarterback in a, in a super flex or your third quarterback, like that's a big boost for sure for your team. So, yeah, um, the quarterback position, always important and it's good to look at these things. And I, th I think you brought up a good point that I, I want to make sure we emphasize is that right now the NFL season might not be over, right? We're in the playoffs. Hopefully your teams are advancing, um, but this might still be a good time. Teams are desperate. They might just throw that um, Mac Jones or one of these quarterbacks that we just talked about in as a, as a throw in, in a deal. You're trying to get a win now um, move or, or trying to ship off a guy like, I don't know, Zach Moss was last week's option, but you know, whatever this week's option is a Ty Chandler, try to get, you know, a third plus his quarterback and, you know, fourth thrown in or something. Right. Um, I think that could be actually a worthwhile strategy. Do it right now. Um, people are willing to buy and move assets and, and you wait three weeks and you say, Oh shoot. Well, I, I kind of missed my opportunity there. Everybody will start saying, well, I might as well hold. So the urgency yeah. is there right now. Uh, you should capitalize. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be for a real rebuilding squad only. Um, like I have Jamar Chase in in multiple leagues, and I am probably going to have to try and trade him away because he's not going to play at least this week, if not multiple weeks. And I mean, obviously, the situation hasn't been spectacular since Jake Browning took over. It's been okay, it's been fine, uh, but it hasn't been as good as we would have hoped for. But you know, I'm looking to trade. Jamar chase away in multiple leagues. If I try to like tear down to another player, maybe go, okay, well, you know, like I'm giving you Jamar chase, uh, you're giving me Amon Ross St. Brown, but you know, just throw Mac Jones in and, and we'll call it a deal like that kind of thing. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a rebuilding squad either. And now, Hey, I have Mac Jones on my squad. It's not overly exciting, but next year it might be, um, you know, I think, like you said, it, it's just, it's looking at what we've learned the past couple seasons that these backup QBs matter. But I mean, I think it's more important to focus on which ones could actually matter and not just like, Oh, who's going to, who's going to touch the field. 
who's Tim Boyle? You know, like Tim Boyle got a start. Oh, that didn't help anyone. You know, he, he got me three points and, uh, and now he's cut, you know, now he's on the Houston practice squad or, or whatever, uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, I, I, I have one more, I, I have one more thing that I've learned this year and, but I really want to get your opinion more than what I learned because it was all the off season research that I did for C2C for Debbie purposes, um, talking about the five-star recruits and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I know how I feel about it, especially now after the season. So like, not only did I do all that research, but then we saw another season for me to sit there and look at with my own two eyes and say, what happened to these recruits? I want to know, Aaron, how you feel about that research. And I mean, tell me the truth. I don't, I don't care if you, if you think it's stupid, tell me if, how do you feel about that research? Do you think that there's something to it? Do you think that, uh, you know, are, are you going into this next season or this off season with maybe a different mindset going into supplemental drafts and stuff like that? than maybe you would have had, um, had there not been the research research. And then of course, you know, like the, the subsequent <laughs> season after all that research and, and articles and all that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm just thankful in a lot of cases that I, I drafted like a, a Tennessee back Dylan Sampson instead of a random freshman who never got on the field, right? And, and I'm not saying that everybody's going to be drafting these these gems that are just going to be breakouts and, and good, you know, potentially good Debbie assets um, instead of freshmen. Like, but at the end of the day, yes, it, my freshman experience this season was, was not that robust, right? The, the couple of guys I invested in, I mean, I'm happy in like the mid round picks, like the Jeremiah loves of the world and, and guys like that. Cause I think they'll make a future impact, but at the end of the day, yeah, I think that bringing up that research that, that needs to, that needs to be more well advertised that the risk of drafting just a random freshman who's never done anything before, regardless of if you think it's a solid situation or not, yeah, it's risky, right? You don't want to load up your whole roster with that. Cause you're going to have a whole bunch of duds and you're not going to win on the college side, like CFF production. And you're probably not even going to have that rich of a Debbie base either with that many misses, uh, because in order to have a good Debbie team, like sometimes you got to flip your CFF guys for a good Debbie player. Like th that still has value, um, drafting like an upperclassman who's productive. So, at the end of the day, I think that your your research brings a lot of good strategy talk to the table. And ultimately, I, I would say that's changed my mind to a degree. I'm going to do probably even less freshman drafting this season unless, um, unless my thoughts are changed as I dive deeper into this incoming freshman class, which, I mean, by all accounts, people are pretty low on it, to be honest. So it's like another example of, eh, even if it's if it's not the strongest recruiting class, even more reason to maybe pay attention to those hit rates that you mentioned with uh, incoming freshmen. Yeah, obviously I agree, and you know, but I'm I'm even thinking this isn't to uh, to victory lap or anything like that because I'm not even sure that I truly believe it's a victory lap. Uh, but you'd given me some crap in a supplemental draft that we're in together, where I took Carson Beck in the third. And you, you felt like that was just way too early. And now he's considered a, he's a top 50, uh, NFL asset, according to Dane Brugler. Now he's not actually coming out. He's staying. So, but like he was a top 50 recruit or, uh, or whatever. And then now like he's going to stay, obviously he's still with, with Georgia and, 
And, uh, you know, we, we saw London Humphreys is going over there. Like, obviously they're losing Brock Bowers. They're losing other pieces. So like, it, it, maybe it all kind of washes out when it's all said and done. But, um, I mean, like, I don't know that I truly believe that he's like a perfect, you know, Debbie talent or anything like that to where I feel like he's going to go be a stud in the NFL. But obviously for C2C purposes, at the very least, like he, he was a starting quarterback all of last year. He's going to be a starting quarterback this year. And, you know, like there were so many freshmen that I could have taken in that spot that I surpassed and took Carson Beck. And I can promise you at this, at the very least, that Carson Beck was, was a lot more substantial to my team than, uh, than a lot of those freshmen would have been. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause in the third, it starts dropping off very much so. And you could look at the upperclassmen and say like, yeah, you're, you're going to hit your home runs there, but you're going to uh, swing and miss on, on guys too, like the, the Dorian singers of the world. And, and you're going to have those guys who just ultimately they flash, but you know, whether it's the transfer, whether it's just things fizzle out injury wise or other reasons, we know that it's a pretty complex deal. So at the end of the day, I think that that was a really good, pick and a good example of, of a way to spend maybe a third or a fourth round supplemental pick or maybe later than that because I think I was I was more so critical of, of the value where you could have got them in probably like the fifth or the fourth you know that's how I felt at least and that's how a lot of drafts were playing out so you know play the value game a little bit um, was probably more so my my critique of that because I still don't really believe in him as a great quarterback, but I have to admit that there's that there's a shot that he's like a top three quarterback next year, but it's a down class. So what does that mean even? Like, is it the Kenny Pickett class where it's like, yeah, he's a first round pick or, you know, he, he's in the third round or whatever it is, but it's just, you know, not a substantial rich class or not. We'll see. We'll see what this next year brings. Ultimately, we won't get to see him in the college uh, football playoffs here, but um, I, I think that's a valid, I guess, practical application of what you're saying is like, you know, maybe instead of doing the the freshman, that's just kind of a random dart throw, get a guy who you, you know is going to start for a established program and he'll probably put up some decent numbers as a result. Yeah. And, and that's what I really, and, and there's Actually, I think what I will focus on this offseason is when should you make that choice? You know, because this past offseason, I really focused on the hit rates for the different positions, the hit rates for the the different recruits and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. And, and I mean, honestly, like I, I, I feel like I opened up some eyes and, you know, yours and mine and everyone else's and, and, you know, whether people choose to believe it or not, you know, obviously a lot of people were like, no, nah, I'm still drafting my freshman. And then other people were like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I'll I'll make a decision here and, and draft somebody else. But I didn't really focus on, OK, so if we're not drafting these freshmen, who are we drafting and when are we drafting them? Like that kind of thing. And I still feel like there's still time where you should draft the freshman. So that's what I want to focus on this season or this offseason is, OK, so when do you make that decision? I'm not going to draft this five-star prospect. I'm going to draft Carson Beck, like that kind of thing. And hopefully I can figure out a way to portray that to everyone and, and you know, and, and tell everyone like, well, you know, and, and even show it in like a way that actually makes sense, but also is, is, you know, provable, you know, like we can prove like this actually works if you do it this way. So hopefully I can do all that. 
but that's my goal is to to get more Carson Becks, you know, like get more players like that. And it doesn't always work out because I also was drafting Dorian Singer. And, you know, we also know that Dorian Singer did not work out this year. Um, now, that doesn't mean that he won't work out next year when he gets an actual quarterback that can throw him the ball. But, you know, that, you know, we'll, we'll figure all that out when when the time comes. <laughs> um, was there anything else that you really feel like you've learned or you've taken away from this season, whether it's C2C, Devi, uh, you know, a Dynasty, whatever, uh, before we get out of here, we're we're right at the hour and a half mark, hour thirty five mark. No, I think they covered a good combination of things tonight, and you know we always come up with some some practical examples of how to enhance your strategy or how to en- enhance hit rates or whatever the uh, he says with this podcast. So we'll continue giving you guys additional ideas as they come up here as we um, as we discuss ongoing things this off season. Absolutely. So we appreciate you guys listening. I know, uh, you know, this was more of a, a random podcast. We just kind of talked about whatever popped up in our heads. It wasn't, uh, you know, we, t- we talked about a little, you know, we talked about some players, we talked about some player values and all that kind of stuff, but we didn't get too much into it. I actually, I, I have an idea for our next pod and I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, we did a kind of like a cornerstone rankings on the full tilt Debbie pod, I don't know, a month or two ago. Um, I can never remember when, when the actual pods come out, but you know, a little while ago. And I really liked that because I feel like, especially like now that we're getting closer to the off season, by the time we record a pod, we will technically be in our next pod. We'll, we will be in the off season. And, um, and so at that point we can say, like, look at these cornerstone rankings, which cornerstone rankings are your Debbie players mixed in with your dynasty players, you know, like that kind of thing, especially we'll have the ones that are you know going to be rookies coming in and all that kind of stuff. But I, I really enjoyed doing that. And I feel like not only is it enjoyable, but it's also really, really productive for, you know, for the listeners, because you can tell them, Hey, like, Hey, go trade for this player, go trade away this player for this player and like that kind of thing. And so uh, I I'd like to do that if you're up for it and, you know, try to figure out some uh, cornerstone ranks where we can say, Hey, this is a good trade target. This is a good trade, you know, trade away target and, you know, get this player off your team, that kind of thing. Yeah. It seems like a cool idea for sure. So we can kind of figure out how that podcast format would look and, I think it'd be of interest for everybody for sure. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So that's going to be the plan for the next pod. Uh, we can do that. Maybe we'll even bring somebody on who knows, you know, we, we like to bring uh, guests on during the off season, especially. And, uh, and so we'll do all that. We really do appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully you learned something today and you, know, you were able to take at least something away from this podcast uh at the very least you got some news transfer news and all that kind of stuff uh we will obviously be talking much more about these rookies and and everything else going into the offseason we're really just waiting for all of these players to declare like we went over the list and you know there's probably at least 10 wide receivers that you know are pretty big names in this class that haven't declared yet multiple running backs uh caleb williams still hasn't technically declared you know like there's a lot of players that have not actually declared so we're just waiting for all this stuff to happen before we really start diving into nfl draft talk you know even debbie talk because you know how can you talk about who's tops and debbie if you don't know who's actually going to be in college you know like that kind of thing so 
we're waiting for all that to play out. Um, so we will definitely get, get into that in the future pods, but I think we will do that cornerstone pod next. We appreciate you guys listening as always. We will be back as soon as possible, but for now we are cashing out. See you.